Good evening, you're listening to Three Moves Ahead, and I'm your host, Rob Zachney. With me tonight are my regular crew, uh, freelance writer Julian Murdoch. Hello, hello. Full of piss and vinegar. Ready to roll. And also joining us for what promises to be a happy, positive show about strategy gaming is Troy Goodfellow. Troy, how are you? I thought we were doing motorcycle racing sims today. Uh, I thought it was Football Manager, actually. Oh, no, I shouldn't. I shouldn't tease that because the moment I say that, I'm gonna get like a dozen emails from UK listeners being like, "You know, you really should do a show on Football Manager." <laughs> you would we have, have to no do a show trouble. on fantasy football first, right? That's, oh, the, fuck that's you. the thing. <laughs> <laughs> Your team's as good as mine, eh, Rob? Oh my God, it's 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 beyond embarrassing, and I think the you're tone actually, for it. You're actually eliminated. Yeah, shut up. But Me it's too. True. It's true. I'm, was, I'm eliminated. I mean, my team was won nothing. I mean, screw you, Phil Rivers, for sucking this year. I, I don't know. I do not know why I just, like, I drafted, I was able to draft Brady. I don't know why I went for running back instead of getting Welker right away. But that de- one decision destroyed my year. <laughs> like, and the tone was set, the tone was set in week one when I lost to you, Julian, despite Brady passing for like 500 for over 500 yards because you had Walker. He threw him all and the so, Walker. And so we had this game it was like you you had like 250 points I had like 200 and uh that was really the start of just an endless downward spiral. It, so it's it was been, the beginning of the end. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, but we won't talk about our miserable fantasy football teams at least. No, we won't. Oh we man, won't. but I'll tell you later this year we should do a show on fantasy fantasy sports games. It's not a bad idea. But for tonight, we're dealing with something perhaps even sadder than the state of my fantasy football team, and that is things that just don't work like they should in strategy games. And I, you know, basically I've been on this, uh, you know, I've been on this fall review kick. Uh, there's, there's a lot of games coming out. I'm spending a lot of time playing games that I might not necessarily be playing where it, you know, if I had my druthers. But one of the really frustrating things is just how often I'm seeing basic things that, you know, basic parts of gameplay interface that just don't work. Uh, You know, do not live up to any sort of industry standard. Are you just talking about things that are non-standard? Because we talked before about how... You know, there there should be some shorthand at this point, but you go to some really hardcore games, and admittedly, we talk a lot here about pretty hardcore games, and there's that, that sort of sense that, well, this audience wants it a certain way because, you know, it's an extension of how they did it before. We talked about that with Panzer Corps, for instance, how, you know, there's some quirks about how Panzer Corps thinks about the world, and those are really extensions of how, you know, the series evolved, you know, the spiritual series evolved. God, you know, I, I but I... I wish we were talking about stuff like that, but I'm talking about... Let me give you an example of something I've been dealing with for the past week. Uh, so I was reviewing Stronghold 3, uh, which, you know, Castle City Simulator, it sounded, you know, pretty... like It sounded like a winner. I like castles. I like defending them. I enjoy managing the Odd City. You know? You know, it sounds like... It's, you know, uh, you sound like a freelance mayor. It sounds like... It, you know, it's... I'm thinking, you know, to quote Arrested Development, you know, baby, we got a stew going. <laughs> but but here's the thing. So real early on, one of the first things you notice about Stronghold 3 is that your mouse doesn't click where you are clicking it. You can move the cursor wherever you want. That's not where the cursor actually is as far as the game is concerned. So the entire game is like playing a 1990s Sierra adventure, trying to find the magic pixel so you can place a goddamn building. 
And there aren't there aren't like shadows of the building, no like you know, outlines and you can therefore line them up at least that way. Oh, you 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 can do that. You can do that, but the the fact is that like at that point you are you're basically um now now you've moved the cursor sort of off of where you want it to be. I suppose placing buildings is, is one thing. Where it really becomes a killer is commanding troops. Right. Where you've got mobs of little soldiers and positioning becomes kind of an issue. And the other thing is that, um, and, and you know, talk about other basic things. So these troops, theoretically, since they're defending walls, should probably engage anything that comes within range of these walls. But a lot of times they just randomly don't. Uh, they'll just stand there while enemies just, like, open fire on them with arrows and spears. Just hang out there while they're massacred on the walls. Uh, at which point you really have to wonder why you bothered, you know, building the walls in the first place since nobody's defending them. But right. So what you have to do is you have to go down there and you take control of these guys and manually tell them to attack the enemy. Except the problem is, in the heat of combat, now you have to play a pixel hunt game trying to figure out what's going to bring up the uh, attack the enemy option. Right. Otherwise, you will end up moving your guys out of the castle by accident. This is this is the type of stuff I'm dealing with, and this is not the, this is the second game actually in as many weeks that's had basic problems with like camera controls and uh, you know cursor responsiveness, cursor accuracy. Uh, a Game of Thrones Genesis had similar weird camera issues yeah. where things just there was a weird lack of responsiveness. Uh, a click wouldn't well, register. The the mouse was useless for the moment. You couldn't. The units were so small, and the mouse could not pick them up. It took forever to select a unit. I mean, it was just terrible interface with the mouse. And you're right. This is this is just basic game design stuff. The sort of stuff that should not just be. They should be. You'd think it would get this down pretty damn early in the development cycle. Is the mouse clicking in the right place? <laughs> um, you'd think that they'd catch that in quality control. And but I think that's the magic phrase, right? Quality control. We're dealing. Yeah. I think. I mean, I'm not trying to be an apologist here because boy, do I have my own list of crap that pisses that me the hell off. Um, but a lot of these games don't have a QA department to run stuff through, right? These are tiny little studios or, or relatively small development cycles. Yeah, that's that's very true. I know that a lot of them rely on their user base for testing, but you know, I guess what, what baffles me at is that I understand when AI doesn't work the way it's supposed to. You know, I understand when glitches crop up in the economy. I have a little bit of trouble understanding why... The, the mouse interface re- remains an issue. Why you know why it's why it's almost 2012, and I'm still playing games where it seems like they're still trying to figure out how to make the mouse work with the game. And, and I know they're small teams, but this is this is such basic level stuff. And th- the fact is that you know this is how you interact with the game. Like if if the controls aren't right, if there's a if there's a glitchiness with the controls, that's going to be that's going to be the water torture. For the person playing the game, you know, it's right. it's not going to be the other maybe you know macro issues that crop up later. It's going to be the fact that the most basic interactions with the game are going to have the certain recurrent jankiness to them that make everything feel toilsome. So, I mean, that's that's kind that's kind of what put me in mind put me in mind of this topic is just really, I mean, like I've been like trapped in this review hell with games that have these problems that. Really, I'm stunned that I'm seeing them, you know, it, you know, at this at this date and time, uh, and I just kind of wanted to, you know, take your guys' temperature. Like, what games have you played lately? What 
what what flaws do you consistently see in strategy games now that in your eyes are unforgivable? These are way past their expiration date. I uh, I mean whether it's a flaw or a feature is it de- depends on your perspective, but man, I'm still so tired of artificially locked uh viewpoints, right? I mean the fact that I can't get an inch more uh, you know, field of view on a, you know, Dota map or a League of Legends map or or really, I mean, almost anything but Supreme Commander, right? I mean, which which makes a whole big deal out of it. Um, that that still, to me, strikes me almost as cheating in game design. It's like, well, you know, we're trying to, inf- you know, enforce this idea that you have sort of localized fog of war, which is BS because my mini map shows me more than my main map does, right? right? And so there's that there's that sense where you end up playing the mini map in the game as opposed to playing the ra- main thing because they've so restricted your view. Um, and I've been playing the crap out of League of Legends lately. More on that in future podcasts. And that's a classic case where I've finally figured out, oh, the good players actually play the minimap, right? And the only time they ever actually look at the main screen is when they have to target something specific. And that just, to me, seems like we've given up trying to make these games useful. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think of recent games uh, that have really peeved me because I haven't been playing as many games as I used to because, you know, it's uh, been hard to really find the time with um, so many launches and new things coming out this year, but I mean, it brings to mind, you know, a game I reviewed like three years ago, um, the infamous um, Left Behind game, um, which is, it wasn't a small studio, uh, evangelical uh, fundamentalist interpretation of the Book of Revelations, which isn't quite, which they say is literarily correct, but really isn't, uh, you know, making stuff up as they go along, um, and it is, became a, an infamous game. A lot of people didn't play it, and they thought it was about, you know, killing heathens, and it really wasn't. It was a bad game, because it was a bad, bad game. Uh, and I wrote a post that how it just breaks what I call gaming grammar, um, that it, there are so many things that we expect that are the way a strategy game has to work, and it's like reading a sentence, playing this game was like reading a sentence where the verbs and the nouns and the adjectives were all backwards. And you knew what they were trying to say, but it just didn't come out right and didn't end up making no sense at all. Um, part of it was the mouse control. And part of it was the field of view that was just too damn big. I mean, they built the scale model of New York City. And the first tutorial mission is one dude. And he's got to run from, like, Second Street to Broadway, uh, pretty much in, like, real time, it feels like. And it's like, oh my god, dude, are you kidding me? This is insane. Uh, no sense of the... No sense of what scale is. Um, use the left mouse button for everything. Uh, it just was a, such a poorly, terribly designed game that everyone was going after it for its, you know, uh, evangelical message, which, I mean, you can, I could have written books and books and books about how bad the evangelical message is, but fortunately... Um, the guy over in Slacktivist does that for me just fine, uh, taking part the evangelical message here. But it is it was the game that just broke so many basic things. Like they did not understand how to make a game, and so you can almost kind of excuse that because it was the first game, and it was a game that had a mission and a plan. I don't think anybody's ever going to be converted by a Left Behind game because it's just so so terrible. Um, but it makes you wonder how these serious game studios, I mean, League of Legends, for example, is made by really major, really serious hardcore gamers. Um, for sure. For, and they have this, but they have this design decision, and their design decision is, you know, we have to keep this thing tightly focused uh, so they can show off their art, I suppose, so they can show off the animations uh, for the targeting purposes. 
but there really isn't a good zoom level for that. And in a lot of the multiplayer online battle arena games, I can I just I'm not going to be on the show, but I guess got on the record now. I hate MOBA. I think it's a terrible, terrible acronym. I think it's the worst. I'm not sure which one to call them. It's better, but I hate MOBA. Okay, so get that right out <laughs> right now. Uh, I probably can we, can we just say Dota clone? That's, that's can, where yeah, I mean, well, I mean, then, yeah, then but, we're but, just. But, but, but anyway, well, that's for the show. Uh, but people who actually understand games, Stronghold too. I mean, these aren't these aren't new game designers. Even if it's a right. relatively small studio now, and they are not doing the stuff that they used to do. That they probably the other Stronghold games or the games people have worked on. I doubt they all have this problem. Um, so is it a problem of quality control? Is it a problem at the design level? I mean, League of Legends at the design at the design level decision. That is, we have decided right. to have they could, this here. They could fix it with a patch tomorrow, right? This Easily. is a, this is a company which babysits their code. They release two patches a week, right? So it's not like it's not like they think this is a bug and haven't gotten around to fixing it. No, it's a th- very this, this deliberate decision. decision. So th- Those are the a, things that yeah. really piss me off. I can look bugs over quite easily, especially if it's from a small studio. But design decisions, which seem deliberately planned to frustrate me, I, I have little patience for. Yeah, I mean, I remember we, I remember we got, when we made this criticism of uh, of StarCraft Two. You know, honestly, is, is that you felt like you you were you had your face mashed up against the monitor, yeah. uh, and I was constantly like, it took me it took me like days and days of play to stop just like hopelessly scrolling backwards on the middle mouse button, uh, you know, just in the hope that eventually it would let me like see what the hell is going on, like because I never got a sense of what a map looked like. Because basically, I'm having to assemble this whole mosaic in my head, and it's it is absurd when you know when when you compare it to, I guess it's absurd when you when you think of it from a user friendliness perspective. You know where it's like play the game the way you want to do it. You know what's easiest for you with your monitor configuration, your resolution, uh, distance from the monitor. Like you know what works for you. Like find a comfortable place for it. But games like StarCraft Two, games like you know, I assume League of Legends, it, it's it's a challenge issue to an extent, right? They, they 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 are making the fact that they sort of interfere with your ability to see the whole picture at once. They make that part of gameplay, which I mean, I, I don't know. Like I I suppose that I suppose that works really well for the hardcore, and it certainly it certainly hasn't hurt these hurt these games at all. In fact, they make a strong case for that. Uh, focusing on the hardcore is, you know, the wise thing to do. But at the same time, there, there's people like us who, you know, uh, you know, we aren't going to play these games like they're our job. And so, ironically, just... <laughs> that's that's a very good point. Um, but yeah, we're not going to play these games like that. But there's re- there's really no concession for for people like us, like a competition mode in games like this. Which right. just makes so much sense, you know. If that's a, if that's a crucial component of the game balance, fine, you know. Like let let me opt out of it though for when I'm just screwing around in skirmish. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the other thing too is the this issue of different modes of play, right? I mean, and this is something that kills me too. I mean, I you know I. I'm an unabashed fan of of games like Civilization, Total War, right? I mean, those are sort of staples in our diet as strategy gamers, right? But one of the things that I find frustrating about those games, particularly in multiplayer, um, is that often there's no end game. Like, very rarely do I play a game of, of like Civilization, for instance, even when you're playing like in, you know, Civ 4 Pit Boss, where it's actually close and exciting to the end, 
Right. right? Most of the time, the last third of the game is a foregone conclusion. And really, most people just want to surrender. Right. And those are the kinds of uh, sort of mode decisions that I think are problematic. Right. Because at least in I mean, was it in the last Shogun where they had this whole thing in the single player, at least where if you got too powerful, like all of a sudden your allies started ganging up on you and your enemies started ganging up on you. And Well, yeah, the game would hit a tipping point where I mean, yes, you did lose your friends as you grew more powerful. But the game would also hit a tipping point where uh, you declared yourself Shogun. And then it was all of Japan realizes, yeah, yeah. we got to take this dude down. Right, exactly. All of a sudden, you're declaring war against everybody, right? And that was an interesting way of solving that in the single-player game, right? So that the, it's not endemic to these kinds of games that the end game always has to be a foregone conclusion, right? That, that, that there's no catch-up feature, that there's no momentum. But in traditional board games, right, the, the issue of like late-game catch-up features and comfort-behind victories is an explicit part of the design mandate, Right and really great strategy games always have that element that that balance out the chance of a lucky victory to create sort of a, an, an epic story. And we've talked about that here many times, right? Where you get those, you know, the one lonely guy and you know, Men at War Assault Squad manages to actually you know run all the way through enemy lines, blow up a tank, and take over the objective, right? And those kinds of things are very difficult to program in. So when they're gone, when they're missing from something as big as a franchise like Civilization, I think it's sort of glaring and obvious. And I think that because so many strategy games now are trying to feed multiple masters, right? They need to be epic single player games, but they also need to be epic multiplayer games. Very few of them ever managed to get multiple modes working well. Right. That's, that's something I, I hope at least developers are waking up to is, is this idea that, you know, you know, I feel like, uh, I feel like a few years ago, there was this definition of what an RTS game had to be, you know, it has to have a single player campaign, has to have a good multiplayer uh, factions have to balance like this. Here are the basic ch- gameplay challenges of an RTS. I'm really hoping that developers have realized, like, you know, that just leads you into being sort of written off as clones of each other or wannabe StarCrafts or something like that. Like, you know, people who want that exact type of game, they have that type of game. And I'm hoping that developers are realizing that, you know, maybe it's time, like, it's a good time to offer something different. I mean, when I talk to um, the Yugen Systems guys, about a war game European escalation, which is uh, it's not a follow up to Ruse, and I, I really thought it was going to be sort of a, you know, them developing what they'd started with Ruse. It's really not. They were telling me basically, you know, uh, where Ruse had money and you sort of collected money from all over the battlefield and used that to build your army. They've basically they've canned that entire concept. Uh, now the big resource really is supply stockpiles. Like your armies run out of fuel, they run out of ammo from combat. The whole like war game European escalation that doesn't necessarily sound like a lie. They're making something that sounds you know honestly a lot like a real time war game, uh, which sounds really cool. I know that's going to be alienating to a lot of RTS fans, but it strikes me as a very smart move that you've got to stop. You, you've got to break away from this template because the template is kind of played out. And the people who love it the most, they may have already gotten their masterpiece. You know, going back, going back to um, you know, basic part, basic parts of games that, that just don't that just don't make sense, don't work. There was one other thing I wanted to wanted to bring up because it's really been grating on me lately. And I know this is a subject near and dear to your heart, Troy. <laughs> and that is why are strategy campaigns so freaking awful? They're terrible, and I and I don't just mean that. I know it's a hard format to create like a satisfying narrative for. Right. I, I know there's a lot of issues with that, but I'm talking about missions that I mean, 
again, this is something I've run into time and again lately, is that there are missions that are specifically designed not to test your ability to plan or strategize. No, to hell with that. It's all about pulling the rug out from under you so you have no choice but to repeat the mission a dozen times until you learn every little thing that's the, that the script has you know, decided will go wrong for you. It's this weird little thing uh, in campaign and strategy game campaigns where they started building in where the campaigns became not they had to serve many purposes. First, they had to be a tutorial to some extent. They had to teach people about the game. So your first missions are here, you build a barracks. Woohoo, you build a barracks, you win. Um, so that's a part of it. You're teaching them all the different systems and working your way in. And at the same time, they decided they wanted a story. And so you have to tie the tutorial to the story. So the, the units and the skills and the tricks or whatever you're trying to teach the player to use now have to be shoehorned into this narrative, into this long story uh, either about a real war or a fictional war or a great hero or whatever the hell Dawn of War 2 is because I'm not I think that's its campaign is because <laughs> its campaign is really more RPG ish than uh, strategy. Well, but I was uh, going to actually, I was actually going to highlight when we were talking about modes, right? The huge disconnect between Dawn of War to the single player game and Dawn of War to the multiplayer game. Yeah, they might as well have been shrink wrapped on different shelves, right? Yeah. and and I actually give them kudos for doing that. I agree that the actual single player campaign was. Uh, not awesome. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, but that, we can get on to that in a, in a bit. Cause I think there is something to be said for why they did it that way, and I think it's not necessarily a bad thing. But it's not a strategy game. Um, the campaign. Let's not pretend it is. Uh, it's a role play. It's a role playing action game. You move your units around, and you occasionally have some counters. But it's really an RPG um, with boss fights at the end. I mean, that's what it is, and that that that's okay. Uh, but it's not a strategy game. It's kind of useless. I mean, it's beyond useless for teaching you the skirmish game um, at all. So the, as for why why we haven't why there aren't that many good campaigns is because for strategy game designers don't generally tell good stories. If they have an historical story um, at, to tell, they tell it poorly, or they score it with really crappy music, or have some hero at the center of it, and uh, they can't quite make it work. Um, I mean, I think through the num numerous RTS campaigns I've played that had story cores, and really the only one that stands out as well, I would actually play that again just for the story, is the Age of Mythology uh, campaign, which I thought really captured the heroic ethos that the whole game tries to capture. Um, it, I think it's, those are the two things. The, the strategy campaigns or RTS campaigns. That's set them apart. RTS campaigns generally are if, if it's going to be, an, if it's RTS it's going to be story and tutorial wrapped into one. And then you have the historical stuff where you have the Panzer Corps where it says well we have to somehow make this challenging so we set up little strong points, turn them into little puzzle games. Uh, so you have the whole puzzle aspect which is the whole scripted part. You have to do this the right way. And um, Rise of Legends did this a lot. It really 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 annoyed me. Uh, in that campaign, how you had to do things the right way. 
Right. They were they the, were just purely solved the puzzle. Once yeah. you know how to solve the puzzle, there was not actually any effort. Yeah, you had to do that. even if you knew the answer to the puzzle, you had to do that in the right order. They wouldn't tell you the answer to the puzzle. And until they told you what the answer to the puzzle was, until you know your mechanic dude said, Aha, we need more uh, unobtainium. We have to go over there and get the unobtainium. <laughs> and then until he told you even if you knew there was unobtainium, you had to go and get there, something would stop you from going there. You'd be prevented from doing it. Um, and you couldn't actually do what you needed to do because the tutorial wasn't telling you to do it yet. Well, That's but, the problem. But that, I think that issue of games sort of having a single path to victory, I think, is a real issue, right? Yes. I mean, there are plenty of games where, uh, you know, even even sort of more traditional StarCraft-type games, you know, until they get heavily balanced out and be, without a big multiplayer component to sort of find all the flaws, oftentimes they come down to like, oh, here's the victory build order. Just, you know, yeah. master the victory build order. That's your path to victory, right? And it's it's the exception, not the rule, when you have a metagame that's fluid enough that people actually treat it like chess and there become counters. I mean, that's by far the exception. Um, but we have to throw, I think, a bone to what Introversion just did, which was effectively cancel yep. Subversion, a game that I've been looking forward to like crazy, right? And and arguably, so I, think one, I. And in, I think one of the most innovative strategy game designers we have in the market, yep. canceling their flagship game because they basically admitted we created this really beautiful system where every level was a single path to victory. And so I think they said, you know, uh, you know, pretty one, gameplay zero, start over. And that's what they're doing. And I give them huge props for that. I almost wanted to just like pay for the game that they're not making just to reward them for that behavior. I mean, it's, Subversion's a funny thing because here we are looking forward to it and we really knew nothing about it. But, and they called it right. I mean, they said, look, we, you're all excited for this game. We don't even know what the damn thing is yet. So we're going to hold off on that. Uh, and, you know, I mean, it's something, it's a story you hear very rarely in game development, especially these days. Uh, where the expectation is, we've already sunk money into this, the whole you know sunk cost fallacy idea. Um, but it's not really a fallacy when investment's there, and you've got to recoup it somehow. Um, and it's an issue that so so many developers have, where you just have to get the game out, no matter what the state it is. And Introversion isn't a studio that can really... I mean, the shocking thing is, they're not a studio that can actually afford to you know waste money, which made the decision kind of gutsy if even if a little bit you know stupid from a business perspective i mean you know you, you're just gonna cancel and do something else i mean it, this is what? a company that regularly goes back to the garage literally yeah, absolutely <laughs> well, this is, yeah. i mean if, you, so if like, you haven't if you haven't gone back and read introversions blog entries and forum posts about what's oh my god these past three years you are missing out on one of the best like soap operas in yeah. Not it's like it's like game three years, just like since the beginning of the beginning of the company. I mean, these guys, and they've been so honest about it too, right? Oh yeah, I mean, you you see this sort of battle for the soul of the company playing out, you know, where they they try these, you know, they're they're, they're trying to figure out what introversion is going to be, and now, as far as I can tell, they've they've really gone back to square one, really, and you know, blowing away subversion really silently seems like it was just this. This drastic but perhaps necessary step, uh, you know, to to hopefully, you know, to wipe the slate clean. And yeah, I think and that too many games suffer from not doing that. I mean, part of you know, I, how many games have we played where you you sort of play an hour or two of them and you were like, really, this was the idea? You were going to do this again? Well, I mean, there there's that, and there's this. I mean hesitation to delay necessary releases i know we don't want to get into sort of this sort of the stars 2 at all tonight uh but it just seems like i mean that was another case where my god 
you know, we you know, we need to delay this because you only get one shot at making a first impression. Well, El- Elemental, right? Or Demigod There's, had the same problem out the door too. Yeah. And I mean that that's that's another that's another thing where there's so few there's so few places willing to even see, like seriously delay a project that's yep. got major problems, much less cancel one that's not going to not going to pan out or not going to meet some sort of internal quality expectation. And that and that's so weird to me because there are so many studios that seem to have demonstrated the wisdom and profitability of earning that sort of reputation for quality control. Yeah, not it, certainly not in the strategy space do we see that very often, right? No. I mean there are com- there are companies like Valve that are kind of known for it, you know, in in the bigger budget gaming world. Uh, but, but even there, uh, I got to tell you, I think I'm, I've been playing a lot of Dota two and I'm not so keen on some of the design decisions they're making there either. So I, I don't know. I think maybe there's a curse on strategy games. Well, I mean, strategy games are, they're weird. They're hard. <laughs> it's, that's good. That's the box quote from three moves ahead for every game ever. Strategy games, games are, are weird. Oh, three moves they, ahead. They, I mean, because it's, there's so many different systems to test. And, you know, unbalancing one um, can really change a game altogether. And unless you have a really good QA team and your game's in beta for a while, um, and if you go to a, you know, a, a user base beta, um, that they're actually filing the damn reports and not just playing the game and waiting for it to get better. Generally, the studios are smaller. They don't have internal QA teams. I mean, there's not, there really isn't a valve of strategy games. You look at the state that Civ Five uh, was shipped in, for example. I, I was going to say, before Civ Five, you might have said for access. Yeah, I mean, but yeah. You, know, this is, you might have said 2K would invest in that, but you know, it's not quite clear that they always have. So this is you know, the question that strategy, gamers have, strategy game designers have to deal with, is you know, how do you get good and reliable QA? Um, and can you actually, in the whole, and strategy games, because they are so damn, because they, they generally have, Systems and that I think feature creep is a bigger problem in strategy games and role-playing games than any other genre. Any other genres. I mean, these are things you can always add something in, um, either to make it you know more fun, more spectacular, more realistic, uh, whatever. Uh, as compared to you know a sim, not that not that shooters are technologically simple because they're not, uh, but design-wise, um, they're often you know. Not as complicated. They can um, be straightforward. I mean, you look at something like be, Space yeah. Space Marine, wasn't breaking any new ground, was just telling an interesting story in a fun setting. Yeah, I mean, you, you can get more elaborate ones and more sophisticated ones. You can get, but like some, even like Portal. I mean, Portal is a very simple game, but done beautifully and brilliantly. Uh, but it's all a simple game. Um, and you can't. Right, the core ideas are very simple, and they yeah. just spend a bazillion dollars refining them so that they're perfect. Yeah, and I, I mean, I, I I wonder if a part of that is, you know, in the AAA world, <laughs> to a degree it has this reputation for being soul-killing, uh, where, you know, a lot of people have, a lot of people, you know, who have spent their careers working in major studio, you know, uh, major studio projects, have horror stories. They've spent months, maybe years, working on something they knew to be crap, or doing something really involved and intricate, but also completely uninteresting. Right. Whereas I kind of wonder if when you go into the strategy space, you you don't encounter people who've had to deal with the sort of harsh lessons of 
uh, large-scale game development where it really is, yes, that's a cool idea, but that's not what we're doing here today. You know, today we are... You know, today today we are shipping a product. You know, I mean, just just get the widget done. We've already agreed on all this. You know, do the job. Whereas I think in, in strategy gaming, there's a little more. I mean, when you go to when you talk about feature creep, I think it might be harder for some of these small teams to say, you know, that's a great idea, but you know, either we can't do it, uh, or you know, or we just won't do it because that's not part of our original brief, and we've got to stick with we've got to stick to the plan here. It's. I really can't say anything about the stuff that I've seen on this side uh, with from a, a number of uh, developers and how they approach it, and they approach it in very different ways. And you know, we've uh, my company represents quite a few uh, strategy developers, and some of them are good at some things, some are not good at others, and it's a whole bunch of different skill sets. Um, and I'm sure that you know, as I've as I'm in it for longer, I'll see even more of this stuff. Uh, but it really is strategy games attract a certain type. And this type is generally a type that has a lot of ideas, and it really takes them some discipline. Um, this gets back to the whole, and then you, and this of course leads to the whole QA problem. I think at the end, where start we started with the whole problem of why doesn't the mouse freaking work? Uh, because there's no time. There's no time for the mouse to work. Uh, right, just kind of distressing. But once but, again, that's something that's fixed up pretty damn early. That still doesn't make any sense. So I don't know. This whole thing's a disaster. Well, I mean, it, it just comes down to resources, right? I mean, how many, how much time have we spent? You take the amount of time we spend talking about games per developer hour, and it's probably the deepest end of the pool you can get, right? I mean, yeah. how much time would we spend talking about Vic Davis games, right? Yeah. Where effectively every hour on those games was an hour of Vic. <laughs> yeah. You know, so, um, it, you know, you, there's certain compromises you make there, right? Or, or, you know, bronze, right? I mean, I could poke holes at bronze. I still have it on my desktop. I still play it at least twice a week. Right, because it's it's just sort of my kind of simple strategy board game. Yeah, it's simple. But I could, I, I mean, sure, I could sit here and you know lambaste its art design or something like that. But come on, you I know that this was game the art design. But no, but my point is, you, you know, I know who yes. made this game. I know how it was made, and so there are certain things you're willing to let slide. Mm. I think what we're talking about here is mostly the stuff that goes beyond the pale. Yeah, I mean, stuff that just has that just can't not be that. There's no excuse for a mouse for mouse selection in this day and age to be poor. And this isn't Master of Magic, where, you know, you're never quite sure what's going on because the menus are so terrible. I mean, it's, you know, we've moved past that. I should yeah. have to select things with my, my, my keyboard in order and to like, get precision. Yeah, and like, and like 3D cameras, you know? I mean, like, Myth was doing this well in the 90s. Uh, and we've seen a ton of games figure out a way to make a 3D camera you know, that can adjust its position anywhere in the game world. We've seen a number of games that manage to do this right. So this shouldn't be so as, as hard as many games make it. And it's just, that's a recurrent frustration. I guess, you know, what's been hitting me these last couple weeks is, um, you know, I mean, I, I think if you, cover, if you cover the strategy beat, there's got to be a part of you that's, that's an evangelist, right? You know, you gotta be you gotta be banging the drum for these games. You know that that don't have the budget, don't have the looks, uh, in a lot of cases don't have the polish, but but they need to have something. Uh, and the, these last couple of weeks, there, there've been a number of there, there've been a number of games that it, it's one thing for a game to not to lack the lack the polish that you know my colleagues are enjoying as they review you know triple A AAA games. Yeah, you know, right. that, that, that's one thing. But when basic components of the experience, uh, you know, are just broken, 
and noticeably broken. Like, this is, you, you spend five minutes with the game, and you know something isn't working right. Uh, you spend a couple times doing a mission, and there's scripted events that are designed just to, just to ruin your game. You know, there's there's right. no strategy to it. It's just they're going they're just, going to they're just they're purely bad behavior. They're just pure evil. The part of the developer, is that yeah. what you're saying? Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Uh, you know, again, Stronghold is a good example, but a Game of Thrones uh, sp- set a special standard for this. There is a mission early in that game that there are a number of loss conditions uh, that you can that you can just hit when you're looking somewhere else for like five seconds like there's if, if yeah, one yes. if one little like if one little sprite dies while you're looking somewhere else well they're not sprites they're just tiny 3d models but if, if just one of these little dudes dies while you're looking somewhere else you've lost the mission that can happen within seconds even if you played perfectly to that date you know the, the things like this they're they're really unforgivable but it also incre- it also increasingly feels almost like you know, honestly, a bit of a betrayal. Where these are, I mean, these are small games, small developers. They they depend on, you know, to a degree, they depend on the kind the the kindness of strangers, right? And there's there in a lot of cases, there's this sort of indifference to the quality of the build quality of the product they're putting out. Uh, there's this sort of indifference to what the player's experience is going to be during the missions. That is is really kind of stunning to me in a genre that depends so much on building these relationships with players and giving people a reason to care about these games because, you know what, they don't have a marketing budget. Their marketing is their customers. And so I'm kind of, I am stunned that I'm I'm coming out of this autumn uh, looking back at Tropico 4 as the high watermark of the season for strategy. That Is that 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 just a sad release cycle or is it just... Oh, it's it's definitely sad. I mean, last year this time we had we had Ruse. We were coming. We were we were emerging from a summer of StarCraft. Uh, I mean, it's definitely this is this is not a banner year, but I mean, to a degree, I, I admit up front this topic is a bit contingent on my experiences recently. But it's been there have been a number of games that I that I that I really would have expected better from the developers, and I've been stunned at how they don't deliver. Yeah, I mean it's. There haven't been a whole lot of releases uh, this fall, so in general... Um, it's, yeah, a but yeah, sl- it's a slow it's, season. It is a slow season. A lot of games that were hopefully have would have come out uh, in better shape, but interesting, didn't. And, um, you know, I think that... I still think that somewhere in Game of Thrones is a great, great game. I don't know. But yet, it, 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 it's cyanide, you know? it's they, they, They'll do this to you. I mean, you look at Blood Bowl. I mean, there's a game that's just, you know brilliant in multiplayer because the AI is too stupid to know but it's probably <laughs> one, of the sim- one of the simplest possible rule sets uh, you could you know, for actually a quite deep deep strategy game um, so you know I probably shouldn't have expected more but you know I re- read about it and was excited about some of the de- deception stuff and it turned out to be a real real dog uh, Akron another game which was a brilliance and then just kind of uh, didn't have the polish to get up to that level. So yeah, I think Tropical Four is kind of one of the high waters of God, almost the year so far. I'm trying to think what else has come out this year. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of I'm kind of racking my brain. And you, I think I think I would have punched you in the mouth if you told me back in you know last winter that Tropical Four was going to be one of the strategy gaming's bright spots in in 2011. Nothing against Tropico, but this was going to be, you know, one of the minor releases, you know, like, well, it's yeah. like the Tropico game, you know, you know what you're getting in advance, they're, you know... Well, and, 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 it was, you did. and it wasn't even a full new game in many ways. 
No, it was it was in many ways, you know, Tropico 3.5. No, but but hang on though, because one since one of the things we did talk about is terrible campaigns. Now now Troy, you actually yeah. finished that campaign and you did a ton of the side quests. Yeah. And you it sounds I liked to me it. that it was a huge success on that front at least. Until the very final mission. The very final mission was kind of stupid. Um I never I didn't actually finish it. The final mission was just too damn dumb. Um, so I haven't quite, I got to the final mission. Um, the, you know, it's, it's a city builder campaign and it's I'm not, and it's not a hard city builder and city builder campaigns have followed the same model from, you know, the Caesar games. They haven't changed really any, uh, since then you're given a new map and you meet the goals and there are all these little side quests that pop up and they can accelerate you and or also just open up a whole new mess of problems because you're too busy chasing the side quest and you're not paying attention to all this other stuff. But Tropical is not a difficult game. It's actually a pretty simple, easy game, and it's kind of fun. So I enjoyed playing through it. Uh, so city builder campaigns are kind of unique. So, this, I'm, so I'll be interested in hearing your Stronghold 3 uh, review and how that campaign holds up because the Stronghold campaigns have generally... Uh, Stronghold 1, I thought, had a pretty decent campaign. Uh, but something about I, forget, I didn't play much of Stronghold Two. So I'm interested Stronghold Two was deeply broken. I I, okay. I played that and it just had bugs out the wazoo. Now maybe my experience was unique, but I couldn't even play it. I actually quite like Stronghold One. Stronghold yep. Two soured me so much that I kind of just I went on blackout for Stronghold Three and never went back. So I didn't play Stronghold. I haven't played the. This was my first Stronghold game, and it, it you know it was looking good enough. Uh, and I will I will say this I will say this for Stronghold Three, it's the best bad strategy game I've played uh, this fall. <laughs> um, which there's there's a certain there's a certain honor. I, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about, Troy. But, but, but best best bad like Stalin versus Martians or best bad like no not not like Stalin versus, Stalin versus Mar- Martians. I will just say this: I finished my review. I filed it at like two thirty last night, and then I went back and played it some more. Oh, you. God, you're a glutton for punishment. Why? No, no, because because there's something about this game. Like I know it's got. Is it the these... setting? Is it the, is it the setting doing it for you? Is no, it... it's these dickish. It's these dickish missions. It's like getting back into the ring with this evil like scenario designer, and it's like no, no, no. This time I'm gonna kick that football. That's, I mean, that's totally what's going on. It's like the middle of the night. I always, like... I always associate you with Charlie Brown anyway, so that works out perfectly in my head. Oh damn! I got nothing for that. That's that's shameful. I'm embarrassed by that. But no, so I so I never played the previous Stronghold games. What so what was Stronghold One like? Uh, what like it, it? It always seemed like a game that people liked, but it had some major issues. It was a city builder. You know, you built new castles and new locations, and the same castle would follow you for a while, and they'd unlock new buildings and new options, and. That was pretty much it. It was very straightforward. Um, right, and Stronghold the, 2 just basically took that formula and added 3D graphics to it for the first time. Woo! Yeah, I mean, there's nothing really elaborate or special, but city builder campaigns don't have to be. I mean, generally the story is, you know, you are the castle builder, you are the governor, you are El Presidente, whatever. Um, so the story is, you know, just, so can you do this? Can you do this? Can you do this? Um, and giving you new options along the way. It's you know nothing terribly complicated. The city builder campaign is probably one of the uh, hardest things to screw up. Now, because it, it depends on the quality of your city builder. Now, some of the old impressions games, the campaigns would get screwed up because they became more math puzzles than actual city builders. There was a right way to build your cities for things to work. And if you put your bathhouse, you know, two tiles away, 
from where it should have been from the patricians. You just were not going to win that scenario. Forget it. I mean, there was no way to help it. You just screwed yourself by putting your bathhouse in the wrong place, and you stuck a market there. Oh, look what you did, you idiot. You just, now you just lost it. You, didn't, you don't know you've lost it until you've gone bankrupt. Um, so, but in general, the city builder campaign is so straightforward. I mean, it, it's, Tropicos isn't, doesn't stand out. I didn't, I mean, I finished it because it was an easy, it's an easy game. It is not a hard game. It's colorful. It's bright. It's just silly enough. It allows you to make a lot of money and try some new things because, you know, once you get halfway through, pretty much everything is opened up to you. Um, so I really didn't have any big problems with it. Yeah. And see, with, with Stronghold 3, I mean, it commits couple sins. One is that I think, you know, part of the deal with a city builder is that you actually, you know, I don't know, build a city. Uh, you build something cool. And Stronghold 3 really kind of uh, withholds that from the campaign, certainly. Mm. Uh, it's more like, it, it's not so much like you're playing a full strategy game. It's like the entire mission is just one long build order. Quiz. You know yeah, what I mean? but that's like, that's yeah. that's fairly typical of Stronghold. I mean, that's not. I mean, the thing that's sort of frustrating is that like Stronghold One was fun on multiple levels. It was sort of a light city builder and a light tactical game too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Stronghold Two made everything prettier, but it actually got dumber. Where once you played two or three games, you could predict with absolute certainty exactly what the AI would do in every single battle situation. And I say this as a well-known idiot who loses at everything, right? But I mean, it was just it was dull beyond belief trying to actually play, and, and it was also just buggy. Like your units yeah. or their units would just get stuck in a bridge and not be able to move oh, yeah, like, over and over again. That, that's still alive and well. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, oh, great. <laughs> that's good. That's yeah, good. That's yeah. Good. It, the best part is when they actually get stuck in the wall that was always yep. my favorite uh, one. i've seen that um, i've also seen soldiers take headers off the steps <laughs> you know, maybe maybe that's not what? a bug though maybe that maybe that's a feature maybe that's a feature maybe, they're yeah, all maybe drunk they trip. yeah maybe it's like realistically like modeling you know well sometimes soldiers did fall off a rampart right so sometimes maybe they got drunk and ran up the ladder <laughs> yeah see but, now now i gotta buy this no 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 a, you, yeah. you do not need to buy this to see a knight fall downstairs are you kidding oh my god <laughs> But, Don't worry, the animation won't be that good if there's anything like the last yeah, one. Yeah, he's actually, oh, he's actually a corpse midway through the fall. But the, the other weird thing about this is, um, you know, like one of the rewards of a city builder is you build, you know, a really, a really cool big city and everything. And it's uh, really unique, which they're not in Stronghold they're, ever. They're really not, but they're also really small. Like, a lot of the missions are just building some crummy stockade, uh, just blocking a choke point. And the, the, the weirdest thing is that where the game really starts to open up is multiplayer. Which nobody plays because, well, it's Stronghold, and because the pacing is just absolutely murderous. Like, this is the last game in the world I would want to play as an RTS. But that's the only mode where you can build, like, big castles and watch dudes, like, attack them and try to besiege them and break through the walls. If you play the campaign, that's not really going to be your experience. And there's no skirmish, so you have to go online and find some Yahoo uh, who wants to play Sim Base. And that's exactly what this is, by the way. Because most matches you find, it's like, okay, no combat for the first 30 or 40 minutes. <laughs> it's like, great, this is going to be this is gonna be an excellent use of my time. Uh, I, it sounds pretty much like Stronghold. Yeah. So, I mean, that about does it for, for, for my pet peeves right now. Like, Do you guys have anything else you've been keeping in reserve, something you want to 
unburden unburden <laughs> yourselves with? Not really. I mean, it's the usual things I always complain about. So, I mean, I'm hardly somebody who holds back on things that he hates on this podcast. And I know that if, if, if Bruce was here, we'd have another hour. But, you know. That's true. We've missed a huge opportunity, haven't we? Oh, we'll get him back on soon enough to complain about something. We missed Bruce. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I guess I guess my biggest pet peeves are always reserved. I mean, it's funny you bring up Stronghold because to me, that's a classic Edge title where it's like marketed as a big budget game, but never really felt like a big budget game. So it's unsurprising to hear that that's the same experience you're having with Stronghold 3. Um, I, I tend to give a lot of slack to little indie projects. And when they, when they you know, expand out of little indie projects and go, you know, along the lines of something like Synth of a Solar Empire and Ironclad's work, where it's really just awesome and totally first rate AAA game, then I can get, be all excited about it. But boy, I'm, I'm just not a nice person when it goes the other direction. When somebody who's supposed to have the money doesn't make it all work. Yeah. Uh, I'm an evil person. Yeah. And, and speaking of Sins of a Solar Empire... You know, a few months ago, I was like, another expansion. I'm not really interested. You know, I'm kind of, I'm kind of done with this game. After this autumn, I am chomping at the bit for another reason to go back to Sins of a Solar Empire and see how that game's expanded. Because uh, man has man has the rest of strategy gaming kind of made the uh, you know first quarter 2012 titles. It's made their job real easy. Yeah, first quarter 2012. Some good stuff coming out. I I hope so. Because uh, Man, I need to win. Like, you know, one, one like part of being a strategy reviewer is you kind of got to tell your editors, like, no, here, here's some interesting games that a lot of people aren't going to cover, and they're going to be totally worth your time. And this autumn, I've been made a liar of uh, more than once. <laughs> uh, it's it's you know there there uh, there's never a sure bet, but man, have a lot of people fallen well short of the mark. Fair enough. Oh well, better luck next year. Yeah, absolutely. Next year in the promised land. Next year, Jerusalem. All right. So that about does it for our topic, if you want to call it that. Uh, therapy session might be more accurate. Support group. Absolutely. Uh, speaking of support, um, I know Troy uh, posted a, a blog entry at Flash of Steel thanking you for your donations, but I just wanted to extend my thanks once again to everyone who donated uh, during our October donation drive. Uh, it bought a lot of Halloween candy. Uh, but no, I, I, I really am. <laughs> I got to go to your house. <laughs> it's just, it's just buckets of it, man. Uh, it's, it's, it's like a rap song about candy, but I really, I really am grateful for, for all the donations we received. Uh, a lot of you were incredibly generous, uh, far more than I expected. And so I just want to thank you for supporting the show. And I deeply appreciate the vote of confidence. Uh, next week, I think we have a topic, but I don't want to promise anything, but it might involve, uh, the MOBA genre. Don't you so. dare! That's Troy's I'm going to ban that word from the podcast. It is the worst acronym, but here's the thing: What do you do with games like uh, World in Conflict? <sighs> I don't know. Yeah, same. I'm not saying I'm going to have a better acronym for it. I'm just saying that one sucks. It, it, it pretty much it, it pretty much sucks, but it's it's what we're stuck with that doesn't imply you have giant trees battling each other. So there you go. All right. Well, okay. until next week, everybody. Good night. Good night, all. Good night. We could do a whole show. Can we do a whole show on Rocksmith? Because I'd totally do that. I don't wait, even know what Rocksmith is. Wait, haven't people been beating the shit out of that game? They're idiots if they have. It's the most freaking amazing thing I've ever put in my hands, except my own. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm done. 
Oh my god! <laughs> I just did that. 